Hi guys, hope you're well. Thank you to anyone that is joining us today. Um, I've got a really kind of good guest, someone that I think will be quite chatty and quite, you know, someone ready to have a good conversation with. And what I was very keen to do with the uh, Growth Strategy podcast and live stream was speak to real people that have real businesses that are kind of involved in the community that, you know, have got interest, interesting kind of stories to tell. Um, so without further ado, I'm going to bring Paul in. We're going to have a chat. We've got a whole range of questions uh, and you know, it'll be really good to kind of catch up with someone. Um, again, we'll touch on all the usual things about how we met, how we know each other, uh, all about their kind of area of expertise. And, you know, we I tend to finish on the best advice they've ever had. So, Paul, I'm just going to bring you in. Hi, Paul. Would you like to say hello to everyone? Hi, Steve. So I'm Paul Lancaster, but um, a lot of people might know me better as Lord Lancaster on social media. No, uh, cool. Can I just congratulate you as well? You have the best webcam from any of my guests so far as a bit of a, a technophile who i'm into my tech as you might have guessed the uh it's you know some people have absolute trash webcams which is fine but when you go through this much effort with seven lights and lots of different microphones and setups and screens and stuff it's i appreciate your diligence on having uh, a good, good well do, do you know it's nothing fancy you know it's just a it's just a macbook but i think it's all in the lighting it's all in the no in the setting. So I'm, I'm right but, next to a window, so got good natural lighting. No, but but I appreciate it is what I'm trying to say. And there'll be some people that do and some people that don't. But, you know, it's fine. It's just everyone has different passions and stuff, but I kind of get it. Um. So how did we meet? So we met for me the first time, I think it was in December, that I just set up on my own. So I kind of decided to leave the offshore energy kind of background and career and that kind of thing. And as you do, you start looking at local networking events and loads of different things that are kind of going on. And it was Anne English said to me, oh, there's this thing called Founders Friday. I think you should go. And I was like, because I didn't know what it was. Uh, and then someone else said it. I said, okay, I'll go, I'll go. And then obviously I, I turned up early because I always turn up early. And you were there and I think, I can't remember who it was. Uh, I think it was Andrew, uh, Andrew Dixon from Barclays Tusk Park that actually introduced us. And it was funny for me to kind of put a face to the name because I'd seen you on various magazines and different tech things and whatever, but we'd never actually met. Um, and then from there, I'd started to go to things more and more often and we kind of got to know each other a little bit. Uh, but I was just, you know, really impressed at your story and that kind of thing. And we'll touch on all of that as we kind of move forward. Um, yeah, yeah. So would you be happy to almost tell people a bit about yourself? And this is for people that don't know who you are or your background and stuff. Yeah, sure. So, um, no, I mean, I have talked about it quite a bit over the over the years. So, some people forgive me if they've already heard this before. But, um, I mean, I've basically spent about fifteen odd years helping other people start and grow their own business. So, I've worked for local enterprise agencies, youth enterprise schemes. I've worked for large corporates. I've worked for the government for a little while, and then I finally started my own business four years ago. So, uh, it was just you know, when you hang out with entrepreneurs and you, you read all the books and you go to all the events and you build up a really good network online and offline, it was just building inside that I thought I have to do it. At some point, I have to be my own boss. Mm -hmm. And uh, you, you set yourself kind of little targets and milestones. And mine was just, I've, I want to be my own boss before I turn 40. So I did. When I was 39, I finally started my own business and I've been self-employed ever since. Um, doing the same thing, to be honest, the same thing that I was getting paid to do in a, in a, in a job, mm -hmm. but I do it on my own terms and I do it independently and um, without any funding. No. Um, 
the areas that I think are the most important. No, I think it's awesome because with, I, I've, so I technically started my first business as a PhD student and I don't know if I've ever told you this, but basically I was working overseas in Jamaica on a big uh, construction project, 2008 global recession hit, boof, just tanked. And I went back and I was doing a PhD at Sheffield Uni on a scholarship of £13,000 a year, which isn't a massive amount of money, but it's not terrible either. And basically what I decided to do was gamble my savings um, to set up a photography company, hence why I'm into all my tech, to then do a lot of university black tie balls, graduations and stuff. But if I couldn't make the business work, and actually at the same time, I was also learning how to do it. I couldn't pay my rent in three months' time. But actually, I, I love the hustle of it and that kind of thing. And that's almost been one of my things. So anyone that's willing to kind of put themselves through it, if that makes sense, uh, I, you know, I, I applaud, I appreciate, I appreciate that. Yeah, no, it's, it's interesting that because the skills that you learned way back then are obviously benefiting you now, you yeah. know, because like the things that you do now and, and the videos that you do and the photography and all, like that mm-hmm. real skill that is really valuable now, no, you know, all of those it's, it's good that that's come about. And even way back years ago, which we'll talk about uh, soon, I used to run club nights. And so doing that benefits the events that I run now. No, cool. So based on this, because one of the big things that I'm very keen on, and hopefully it's a trait of all the interviews, is that most business interviews that people do, they're very transactional. It's about what you're trying to sell, what you're trying to plug and talking about that particular thing. I like to dig a bit more about the people and the person and what they do in their background, because actually that both for your audience or as Seth Godin would say, your minimum viable audience, you know, the people that properly are Paul Lancaster fans, they want to know that kind of thing. And it's just, I think, you know, I'll definitely learn a lot, but, and then anyone that does watch or listen, hopefully will as well. So like, where did you grow up? How, you know, what's your kind of story? So grew up in a place called Crowcrook, which is way in the West of Gateshead. So kind of, um, semi-rural, so close enough to the city, but also near the countryside. Um, quite a normal suburban lifestyle, you know, very, very happy childhood. Um, so, but I've always, I've always been interested in other people and like what makes the world tick and how it all fits together. And even when I went to university, um, I studied geography, which okay. really. What, what is the benefit of geography unless you're going to stay 10 in hours a week is the benefit <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but, it, but it, exactly but um but i just found i just find the world interesting and how it all fits together but um but yeah I've, pretty much all of my career and everything i've done has been i think i'm an empath i'm quite empathic yeah. you know, quite good at understanding other people and what makes them tick and mm-hmm. how to get out of other people in, in a way that everybody benefits and um, no, I get that. so that's what i do now so out of interest i feel empathy is one of my strong points but i also think that I, so basically i was raised single parent family so my mom raised me and my brother mm-hmm. so a lot of my influences growing up were, were female but actually i think because of that i almost got the best of hair traits but i use it a lot now but i was going to ask yourself you know where do you feel, if anywhere, your kind of empathy comes from? Or is it just inbuilt, do you think? Um, yeah, it's interesting because I was actually thinking about this recently. I mean, you know, uh, my, my dad, you know, had a, my dad is amazing uh, and my mom and dad are still together, you know. They've been married for 50 odd years, you know, 60 odd years, God knows. Um, but definitely growing up, I think my dad worked really, really hard and I, and I didn't see him that much. 
Um, you know, you would be working long hours and on an evening you would be working a lot of time. So I definitely was thinking about this recently. I was probably spent more time with, with my mum and her friends and I've always liked company of women. So <laughs> <laughs> so uh, yeah, I don't know, just kind of always get on really well with, with women and just... No, okay. um, so I think, yeah, empathy. It is a bit of a sweeping statement. No, no, but I, but I know because one of the first things I ever said to you was that the first Founders Friday event I went to, you asked the audience a certain question and I almost commented that to you that I thought you were being too nice to everyone else. You're almost <laughs> being too, it's not too empathetic, but almost it's, uh, so I, I completely agree that you are genuine with what you're saying. Um, yeah no, it, yeah because that, that really i remember you saying that because it was i suppose different events or in different situations so um founders friday for anyone that doesn't know what it is from the beginning i wanted that and all of the events that i do to be honest i wanted them to feel as accessible and inclusive as as possible i wanted it to feel like anybody was welcome because anyone who is thinking about starting their own business or wants to learn how to, what it what it takes to, to be self-employed. Uh, I wanted to try and remove all the barriers to entry. Um, so in my my role, even though they're my my events and I organize them and I'm hosting them, I'm not the star. The star is the speaker and the audience. So I tried it. I think if there's one thing I'm pretty good at hosting the events is making the speakers and the audience feel at ease. Yeah. And um, the, the downside of that is I have had people say, well, when you're speaking, you don't have that kind of authority, do you know what I mean? Because, because you're so kind of nice and kind of welcoming to, to people that if you're See, trying I, to... I disagree yeah. with that purely because, for one, that's a horrible thing for someone to say. So whoever they are, horrible person. <laughs> but, but my point is, do you know who Seth Godin is? I'm sure you do. You've probably got his books yeah, yeah, behind you. So Seth Godin is not... Haven't you got a signed... Uh, print or comment of his i saw on twitter recently but anyway uh, but for anyone that doesn't know seth godin is a marketing guru he genuinely knows this stuff very smart guy comes across straight away but i'm guessing he's jewish uh, but he's he's not a big powerful de- you know demeaning demanding man but he just demands respect because he knows his stuff inside out my point being just because certain people have certain character traits like that doesn't mean that's the right way to do it so yeah I, I, yeah, right. yeah. I was going to say I have to click a um, a box on YouTube that says there's no swearing in the talk, but I would have strong words for whoever said that to you because I think that's you know it's harsh, it's unfair. But anyway, yeah, I mean, to, to be fair, I, I know what they mean because sometimes, for example, if you're doing a keynote speech, you have to have a different um, yeah. posture or a different different style. So so definitely, when I have done keynotes, it is a different vibe that I'm. That I'm trying to give off, but in that in the situation of Founders Friday and even Startup Week, Newcastle Startup Week, okay, I do try to be less quite unassuming. Do you know what I mean? More but, more kind of laid, but that's my style. But because it's your style and it's authentic and it's genuine, I just say own it. I would if it's not for someone else, then they're not for you. Does that make sense? Again, that's more yeah. Seth Godin. So anyway, uh, you're a geography student at Newcastle Uni, was it? Leeds Uni actually. Oh, yeah. Leeds, Leeds, Leeds. Yeah. Um, I must. I Leeds was my second choice. I almost went to Leeds. The reason I went there, obviously, it was probably one of the best for for Leeds, but it was far enough away that it felt like I could have my independence, but also close enough 
that you could visit or the parents could visit, but I had an amazing, amazing time. The, the other decision-making factor, because I was so into music and DJing and clubbing, Leeds has got an amazing, or, or used to be an amazing place to go out clubbing. Because so. if you're honest, was that the dominant factor for why you picked it? <laughs> it, was one of, it was one of them, yeah. I mean, some amazing, uh, like you say, house, house music was my thing. Every type of music uh, I'm into, but... Um, growing up as a teenager, house music, dance music, that, that was my thing. Because um, the, yeah. the funny thing is, is that obviously everything with work related to stuff, I try and keep the same brand all the way through, hence why I always generally wearing the shirt, sleeves rolled up, quite colourful, that's what I try mm. to be. But actually when I'm looking to just get motivated, I also listen to house music. But when I tell people that, because I also like everything, um, it's plus people don't see it together but i do i appreciate people that um so based on that like where do you get your inspiration from do you get it from music do you find or do you get it from books or lots of different places uh, i do read a lot of books so um it's not just decoration you know these are all books that i've read so um i don't read that much fiction these days i don't read any yeah. fiction it doesn't do it for me and no. uh, so um so I've read loads, loads of books on on business startups and uh, leadership and um, business growth, but I, I have more recently during the lockdown in particular, I've been reading a lot of books about philosophy. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I'm getting really into philosophy, and even at the end of last year, very into like more personal development, less yeah, okay. business development, more personal development, and getting a bit more in tune with myself and what makes what yeah. makes me tick, what, what motivates me. Because that's one of the things that I found is that with, um, I, I like a broad range of kind of topics, but generally it's stuff that I can use. So again, it's kind of things that with, uh, I love all of the emotional decision-making type books, but also some of the philosophy, you know, philosophy type ones. Because also it one of the, the big things that we all do is all about human decision-making, why people act and do things in a certain way. But then also with age, you your view on things changes so for instance i think as you get older there's less black and white and more shades of gray and also because of that you understand different scenarios and different um things more in a way that often when you're younger it is very black and white so i think it's it's almost a rite of passage that you know most people not actually some people go through i think a lot of people are ignorant to it and they don't care but uh but i appreciate so anyway so you're um, at university. Did how did you get into music? How did you get into club nights? And uh, so I was always the kid at school that had the records before anyone else. So I was always like the had the encyclopedic knowledge of like artists, musicians, labels, um, production credits. Uh, I would go and buy the records when they were on like pre-release, you know, and, and that that was my thing. So I was I was a bedroom DJ first, and I was really into the whole. Acid House rave scene growing up. I'm sure my age, yeah. Uh, but I was a little bit too young to go to the to the raves, but I used to listen to all the mixtapes. And, and there were a few raves that I kind of snuck in when I was a little bit underage, or I had some friends that would do sound systems or their brothers would do sound systems. So we would go and set up and and uh, join, in, join in the fun at the back of the room sort of thing. But um, when, I, when I went to university, um, uh, I started doing some fashion shows. Some friends of mine were involved in fashion shows, so I did the music, so the soundtrack to the fashion shows, and then ended a couple of um, DJ competitions. And the very first one, I came last out of five. <laughs> so, <laughs> but, uh, but, the, but the, the judges, 
the, the guy that won was doing all kinds of tricks. You know, he was a turntablist. Yeah, he was doing yeah, all yeah. kinds of other tricks. And, and that's not my thing. My thing was always about tune selection and mixing and stuff. And um, I remember the judges, the guy who came second was picking a fight with the judges because he couldn't, he couldn't understand why he hadn't won. And I was just grateful for the opportunity to, to perform our you know, first gig gig in the gig live and um, asked for, for some feedback and said, you know, your tune selection was amazing. Your mixing was amazing. Keep at it. It's just, you only had X amount of time and you know, we had to choose that guy, but keep at it. So that was enough to be honest, just to keep me motivated. And then I started doing some little club nights in Leeds. Um, like I say, won some more competitions, performed more regularly came back to Newcastle, got in with a local DJ uh, crew, I suppose, um, and who were into music production. And um, and then I started making music in my spare time and got some records signed and uh, away you go. I had a, I've DJed in Rome, um, Malta, Budapest, Prague, um, South Korea, wow. Washington DC, um, yeah, all over. I've DJed yeah, cool. it all over. Because you're still quite into your kind of uh, street culture, aren't you? Like skateboarding and graffiti and different things. Like, yeah. I can kind of just tell from your social media the kind of stuff that you put out. And it's, yeah, I uh, think I'm going to do. Well, I am. I think I'm going to do a midlife crisis. <laughs> but basically, I'm, <laughs> you go. You go back to the things that like really inspire. What I definitely have in the last five months or whatever, and that whole counterculture. Mm-hmm. Um, skateboarding, street art, graffiti, acid house, rave music, house music. <clears throat> that's that's still there inside me, still influencing me. And um, definitely my my era is 90s, like early 90s. Like, yeah, like yeah. every, literally every genre, but the, the music that gets me the most excited is early 90s dance music and a bit of indie, you know, a bit of rock. But cool acid house and rave and skateboarding and so as this is a business kind of strategy related kind of podcast type thing um would you like to tell people a bit about your business and you can do two separate sections or however you want to spitball to do with plan digital and start a week so almost the floor is yours however you wish to tackle it okay right so the business is plan digital so the reason it's plan digital is p lancaster plan digital i didn't know A lot of people don't know that, right? So um, when that started, it, it was just originally planned digital. It was just my personal blog. And uh, I knew that I wanted to start my own business. Wasn't totally sure what I wanted to do other than up until that point, I'd spent most of my time being this like connector, signposting, matchmaking, inbound marketing, social media, blogging, uh, digital marketing. That, that was my experience. So for the first month or so, I uh, had a lot of co- coffees with people trying to figure out what I wanted to do that they were willing to pay me to do and what other people wanted me to do that I was willing willing to do. Um, so for the first six months, I was doing a bit of inbound marketing and social media consultancy mm-hmm. on a retainer basis. Um, typically tech and digital businesses that what, had a bit of money, but they needed to accelerate their growth and, the, and they weren't sure how to do that. So I enjoyed that, but um, I had this big idea to, to create an event, this Newcastle Startup Week Festival, this five-day event. So um, when I decided I was going to do that, I stopped doing all consultancy completely okay. for nine months just to focus 100% on this event because it was such a big undertaking. And um, 
that is that is a risky thing to do because then it's all on all on because I, I was going to ask you almost so was that a conscious decision to because like i've got something similar so i've got different projects kind of bubbling through yeah and i it, but the consultancy is the cash generator which funds everything else that i just work harder and just try and spin more plates but so you consciously decided to slow things down to focus on startup week yeah so um i mean in some ways i guess the easy or easier way potentially to make money is consultancy but i think many people will say it's not easy i know it's (laughs) just to throw this no i I suppose what, what i mean is that i've always i've actually shied away from being a consultant because there are lots of consultants out there and you know, what can I do that they can't do? I, I only really want to work on things that really excite me. And, and, and I think, I'll, I'll... do you mind if I jump in on that point? Because one of the big things that I try and push, but people will hire you because they want to hire you. They want Paul yeah. Lancaster. They want the background. They want the knowledge. They want the expertise. They want the style. They want the taste. They want that that someone else might also be able to offer digital inbound marketing, but it's not you. My point is that I try, you know, I'm 20 years younger than most of my competitors. So I try and get my personality across, hence why I do live streams. It's all very colorful, hence the background. And that red is for you, by the way, if I start to work on plan digital, just for you. Um, But my point is that, you know, although it is a competitive marketplace, it's rarely kind of own who you are. And I think you should, because the the whole super connector thing that you've got a really good network is massively valuable to a lot of people. And I think the skill is almost knowing how to deploy the skills you've got in the best possible way. Does that make sense? Yeah. No, no, you're right. Um, I suppose what I'm getting at is like, um, st- for me, Startup Week is the perfect. Yeah, that's where your passion is. Perfect perfect embodiment of who i am and what i do right because it's it's something that i've you it's mm. i've created that from scratch it's like yeah, yeah, no yeah. one else does a five day five night event anywhere in the uk for for startups and and scale ups right and there's a reason why because it's bloody hard work but it's uh it's amazing right and people that come to it say it's amazing and people travel from all over the uk and overseas right because it's it's not offered anywhere else but what i like about it is um it's a way for me to express myself creatively. It's also a platform for all the speakers and the sponsors, so they all benefit mm-hmm. from it. Mm-hmm. It's a way for me to help hundreds of people in one go instead of one or, or tens of companies. Okay. So it ticks every box for me personally. Um, so I'm more passionate about things like that where it's something unique that can help lots and lots of people no, okay. in one go rather than, rather than working as a consultant for a smaller group of companies. And when I have done some consultancy, um, my favorite ones are the ones, like you say, where they come to me and say, look, we, no one else can do this. We want you to do yeah. this. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't have to pitch for the work. I don't have to, uh, it's not competitive really. It's just, that that's my preferred thing. And that's because uh, the thing that I like about those kind of things is that it's for me it's actually more important to feel valued than it is to actually get paid does that make sense i want people to value what i'm doing and be willing to pay for it and bring it into the team and want you as part of their team that some of the jobs i've had in the past where i was getting paid but i didn't feel valued and there's a a distinct change between that 
But actually, you yeah. know, I completely understand kind of what you're talking about. And ironically, uh, you know, I had an inquiry recently. It was about a business turnaround in Scotland. We had multiple Zoom calls, uh, you know, whatever. I sent the price through and then it just went dead. But in which case, I'm happy to walk away because obviously it was just they didn't, you know, it just wasn't the right fit. But I think for a lot of people who are on their own journey, sometimes that's a difficult lesson to learn. But likewise, you know, it, you have to be in the fortunate position to be able to turn work down. But it's my point is almost us talking about it will hopefully help some of the people that yeah. might watch. On this, you know, it is difficult. I mean, even even recently. Um, so I do swing, you know, between oh, should I be doing more consultancy or, or not? But my heart's really not not in it, like unless it's something that really excites me and okay. that I think I'm in the place to do, then I'm really not that into doing consultancy which is um, brilliant yeah but but recently um i did get someone introduced to me and they were they well they really wanted to work with me because it seemed kind of what i do and whatever but they didn't really know why oh. they wanted to work they just yeah. saw the end result and they were like we want a bit of that and we want a bit of your fairy dust or whatever your your magic mm -hmm. but then i know i knew exactly what they needed to to do that but they didn't actually want that, you know, okay. and they just wanted the end result, and, but they didn't want to pay for it and they didn't yeah. really want all the, all the effort that goes into it. Um, so in the end, I'm not working with them and we did spend a lot of time kind of no, talking okay. about it. Because so. I think that's one of the, we've got a lot of mutual friends and, you know, some of the younger ones that I try and, not mentor, but I give them a bit of advice as and when. It's almost, it's, you know, a lot of them I tell them their prices are too low. But it's also yeah. having the confidence to, you know, pick out advice and ask you things and almost hear these stories because often, especially with social media, everyone always assumes everything works perfectly when the truth is it doesn't. But it's just, mm -hmm. and that's part of the reason why I think talking about these things kind of helps. So if you were to describe Startup Week to someone that doesn't necessarily know what it is or they're from a different sector, how would you pitch it? Yeah, okay. So, um so it is a it is a five day and five night festival. So it, it takes place in multiple venues across Newcastle and Gateshead in, in the northeast of England. Each day has a different theme. So day one is inspiration day because everybody needs a bit of inspiration to, to get started, to start something new. Um, doesn't matter whether you're brand new pre-start or an established business that's looking to be more innovative and entrepreneurial. So that's kind of the, the main event where people get G'd up and excited and motivated. And day two is getting started. So, okay, you've got an idea, you've been inspired, now what? How do you take those ideas forward and in, in, into the real world? What's the practical steps you need to take? Then day three is the funding and finance day. So where's the money to start or grow the business? We cover everything, grants, loans, crowdfunding, angel investment, venture capital, uh, crowdfunding, bids and tenders. Day four is growing and scaling. Mm -hmm. So, okay, how do you take things to the next level, whatever level that is? So how do you improve on your systems and processes? How do you do better business development, sales, marketing, leadership, team, um, you name it, even personal mindset. How do you, how do you, how do you go uh, grow personally? Then five, day five is keep going or pivot. Mm -hmm. So how do you keep going? Do you keep going? And when do you know to stop and change direction? So those very early on, that was the, the five themes that, that, I, that I picked up. I knew that I wanted to do this big event from all the events I've been doing and all the experience I had. I thought five days, they are the five themes that I think that 
most businesses or entrepreneurs will go through those those five days um those five themes at different stages and then people can pick and choose they don't mm-hmm. obviously if they come all five days they'll get an amazing immersive experience they'll they'll be better equipped for what's to come but some people will just dip in and out most people will come to day one the inspiration day and at least one other day depending on where they're at in the mm-hmm. in the journey because i must admit, um, i was really looking forward to it uh, I know you were kind enough to invite me to speak on day four, but the yeah. uh, I was genuine just because what's really funny, and I think you might do the same, is that I go to an event or even when I uh, follow my wife around shopping on weekends, I look and see how people do things. So for instance, mm-hmm. she might, my wife loves makeup and I look at the makeup counters and I look at how did they take the photo? How do they present the products? How do they, you know, and almost with startup week, because I know how much effort you go into curating music and layout and different things. I almost wanted to both experience the whole creative, like the whole thing, the venue. And it was, um, unfortunately COVID happened. Um, but then you moved the kind of the whole conference online. Do you want to kind of talk about that? Yeah, sure. So obviously, yeah, the lockdown, um, I was gearing up for the, the fourth fourth event. So like I said, the first two events, we had just over 600 people. Last day, we had just over 800. And I was aiming for 1,000 this year. And it, it was it was looking promising. But um, most, even though people are buying tickets in, in the run-up, for, well, from June onwards of, of the previous year, the majority of the ticket sales usually come through at the end of March, mm-hmm. from the end of March until the middle of May. So obviously that's just after when lockdown happened. So um, I had a decision to make, well, obviously I can't run a physical event. Um, so do we cancel it completely or do we do we pivot and do an online event, which is which is what I decided to do. Um, so so basically we did a, um, a, f- a five day event in the in the original date but we ran it all through a private Facebook group. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so the way you, you know this, cause you, you took part and you did it, you did a great, a, a great video for it, <clears throat> but um, same themes and uh, people had to buy a ticket for, for the event. Either they all, the people already had a ticket for the physical event or they bought a ticket just for the, the online version. They then were invited to join the private Facebook group and they had five days worth of content, mm-hmm. amazing content. We had about 80, 80 videos, um, speakers, panel discussions, interviews across the five days. And then um, it was as close as we could get to that kind of, but it, nothing compares to a, a real life. You had your co-host, Sarah. Is it Sarah? Yeah. So Sarah's been with me from, from the beginning. Um, she brings an amazing energy to, to the whole thing. So um, we're not quite on in deck, but we could do kind of work as a, a good double act. And, Who's the uh, taller one out of interest? I'm joking. Slightly, slightly taller. But, but, um, but what I was going to say is that I actually really enjoyed it. And the one thing that I do like that almost lockdown has taught me is that because you're busy doing stuff, I would fit in and I'd catch up and I'd go back and watch something or I missed it. But then likewise, if I'm watching the person talk, I'll reach out to them on LinkedIn. You, you start the conversation. So I actually thought ele- elements of it worked really well. Although I am kind of really looking forward to, uh, you know, I guess when it goes back, if it ever goes back to in-person kind of Yeah, thing. well, the, the, plan, the plan now, so at the beginning of the lockdown, um, you know, I was communicating with people regularly seeing, you know, because it was a moving you know, what's the word, moving feast or moving target or whatever, you know, 
it was changing on an almost daily basis, but I decided, right, we'll not do a physical event until September at the earliest, because I thought realistically, I think that's when the lockdown might, might ease up. Uh, and in the meantime, we'll do the online event. Well, back then, it, September seemed like a long way away, but now <laughs> it's we're here. And um, legally, we're not actually allowed to run a physical event. Um, the government said they don't want any business events or conferences until the 1st of October at the earliest. Mm-hmm. And even then, they're very restricted what you can and can't do. So are you thinking so, about um, pushing it till next year now? Yeah, uh, so, so the, the plan now, which I've just decided and spoken to, most of the sponsors now about this, which they're all happy with, is um, we're just going to do the physical event in May mm-hmm. as as normal, um, but continue doing online events through the private Facebook group. So, um, so yeah, <clears throat> that that's why the Founders Friday events that we used to do on the last Friday of every month, um, we're going to start running them again with the, within the private Facebook group. Um, so they'd be like a mini version of what we did in May. Mm-hmm. Um, so that the the next one is the f- first one since COVID is this Friday. Oh, cool. We're going to be. Yeah. So one of the things I always like to ask is that it's how we can kind of share lessons and stories because you'll interact with a lot of people as I kind of do. What do you think are the top kind of three problems that businesses face? Three things. So one is overthinking. Okay. Uh, and and that even to, it doesn't matter what stage you're at overthinking things um uh number two underestimating how long it's going to take to do something mm-hmm. and number three uh overestimating how hard it's going to be yeah or how much money they're going to make yeah I but definitely uh, i think people it is it's, it's usually all in your, all in your head yeah you think it's going to be um you procrastinate too much when you could just you know, seth gordon actually writes a lot about this he talks about done is better than perfect mm-hmm. and time and time again there's people who really inspire me and motivate me who've had big success and they say the same sort of thing that like you can plan until the cows come home mm-hmm. but like until until you hit real life yeah. a real audience your business plan is moot it doesn't mm-hmm. really you, you can have a you know you can assume that certain things are going to go um as planned but you have to be able to adapt on the fly you've got to give enough flex with with what you do almost because based on that almost what you said at the start is that with as you kind of go through your career there's things that you will pick up over time that actually is when you then learn to be able to deploy them does that make sense so although technically i started my first business in 2010 11 it's only really now because I've had a lot more different experience in different areas, a lot more senior level, the stock market, different things that I actually feel a hundred percent confident on deploying to what to do and when, and I know it's the right thing. Like I should do because I teach people how to do it. But my point is it's even if you have, I'm still the same person I was in terms of say horsepower 10 years ago. And I would have had the same ambition, but I just didn't have the reference points. So I think some people often, they try and start a business too soon. Or again, they don't, it's almost the more you can learn from different people and different sources over time, what works, what doesn't work, what bosses were good, what were terrible. It's when you actually build up enough that you're ready to burst and just like deploy it and then just run with it, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, definitely. I think think it is, you know, it it comes, age, shouldn't matter but i think 
generally speaking, if you're a little bit older, you're going to have a bit more experience. I mean, there are exceptions, but if you if you have a very young entrepreneur who's got lots of success, they tend to be surrounded by older, wiser mm-hmm. who've been there and done that. And the, I think regularly I read about the the ideal is like. Um, a young person and someone with no hair or grey hair, you know, kind of that—that's the perfect, uh, perfect balance for for uh, highly scalable businesses. But um, that's why I think I'm always surprised when people don't go to events mm-hmm. or they don't listen to podcasts or they don't read books because all that knowledge and information and the network is, is there if you want it. But yeah, so I don't know why people don't make, make more use of But I, So I had this exact same conversation with a managing director on Monday. And mm. she runs a very successful business that's been around for a long time. And we were talking mm. about this same kind of thing. And I think actually innate in certain people and certain character types, I'm guessing you, me and her, you want to learn and develop because that's just the gig and you constantly want to you know do something. And I don't think that's the case with everyone else. And it's not that we're right and they're wrong or vice versa. But I think sometimes it's just either it's in the animal or it's not. And that's mm-hmm. almost, I guess, comes down to the whole entrepreneurship. Can it be taught or is it just inherent? And I think yeah. almost it's that burning fire to, that kind of drives you. And I don't know, like, do you have that? Do you feel that there's something that makes you want to just, you know, kill people every day in a business sense? <laughs> Um, I know. I know what you mean. I think it is curiosity. You know, it's like there's there's that inherent curiosity, wanting to know why things are the way they are, how things could be better. Yeah, I mean, one of my favorite mottos, I suppose, to live by is "Stay curious." I've even got it written on the side of my trainers. You know, because um, th- that's just me. Like I'm, I'm always wanting to learn. You never, never stop learning. Um, but not like you say, not everyone mm-hmm. thinks that way. And I think the whole nature nurture of entrepreneurship, I've definitely become more entrepreneurial. Mm-hmm. I think I was all, I've always been creative and I've always been curious. Mm-hmm. But entrepreneurialism or entrepreneurship wasn't really a thing when I was growing up. Like most people, you just... When but, university instance, got involved, but when you were running the club nights and doing that and putting yourself out there, those are the same traits, if that makes sense? Yeah. So exactly. you always well, had it. Yeah, and I think that again, that that's probably why that appealed to me. That kind of slightly counterculture, looking outside, like outside the box, you know, like looking at things from a different perspective. I've always been good at with you. good at doing that. Um, yeah. So, can I ask you, and you know, what's the dream for Paul Lancaster Plan Digital Startup? You know, what's the kind of uh, big, hairy, audacious goal? If you want to use the uh, American franchise term. <laughs> Right. Okay. Well, it's it's a good question because I've I've been spending a lot of time trying to trying to figure this out over during the lockdown because um, I actually got asked to do a like a little article for B Daily at the end of last year, which was all about scale up, and uh, and I talked about how you do need a totally different mindset from a startup to a scale up, mm-hmm. um, and and in some ways, not that I'm mega successful. Um, but in some ways I've achieved what mm-hmm. I set out to achieve, right? Because I set out to be my own boss, to create this big event, to inspire and help lots of people, to do all these cool things. Um, I've, I've basically done what I set out to do. So now I need some bigger goals. I need some, like you say, big, big, hairy, audacious goals. And there are a few things that, that I have wanted to do, but I've probably been a bit 
even myself scared to, to go for them. Do you and, um, want to talk about them or just not? You don't. Yeah, have no, to. no, yeah, you can say it. So, um, what the actually when I start my own business, I have two two big ideas that I wanted to do, and um, Startup Week was one of them. Consultancy was kind of the ongoing thing that I could dip in and out of when I wanted to. Startup Week was one, uh, and the other one was to create a a platform like a digital um, super connector platform to okay. basically the signposting, matchmaking, introductions type thing that I do all day, every day and, and have done in paid jobs and continue to do self-employed. But how could I do that at scale and in, in, in a way that was more efficient and, and um, more scalable, particularly matching entre- entrepreneurs with investors? Yeah. Because I'm regularly getting investors saying, Paul, do you know any people we should be looking at and I get entrepreneurs saying, Paul, do you know any investors? Um, so I've gone back to the idea now. So so after three years of doing Startup Week, um, I have spoken to quite a few investors over the last couple of years and none of the deals have been quite right. But now I'm at the point now, I'm built, I'm forming a little team around this this new platform called Tribes. Oh, nice. T- T-R-Y-B-E-S. Seth Gerdin so again. <laughs> yeah, so we're connecting the tribes, okay? And um, it's all about speeding up the process from idea to launch to growth to investment. Um, so we've got a really great little team forming around that, got a great team of advis- advisors. And over the next six to 10 months, my target is to raise between 300 and 500,000 uh, pounds. So that's, nice. that's my big target over the next six to 10 months. And then you... we're going to launch that at Startup Week in May. Oh, nice. Wow, you've set yourself a deadline. That's cool. No, so it's going to happen. Because, like, do you believe in positive, positive affirmations? Yes. Because totally. one of the things that I, I don't even know why I did it. I kind of have to. So when I first launched, I created a website. And on the front page of my website, it's still there. I tell people what my business model is because my big thing is that if people don't understand what you do and how you make money, they don't trust it as much and they really want to kind of buy into it. And I basically said, look, I I launched in November, 2019. I was going to launch the consultancy service, which did go well. And I got to a point where I was sold out quite quick kind of thing. That was good. And then I was going to launch two other scalable parts of business. One is investing in companies that I see as scalable and growing and then actually launching the training and education platform, which again, I'm working on, which is scalable. But I never actually had a companies out there that I had an eye on. I just put it out in the world in the belief and the hope that it would take off. And, you know, it's almost, sometimes it's quite scary. Like, have you spoken publicly about tribes before or? Started to do it. I have, I've mentioned it. I mean, that's probably the, the first time I've, I've thought about it in any, any great deal. And definitely about the investment. So I've not, because this is a brand new thing. We've been working on a pitch deck. We've been speaking to investors, yeah. but that is the plan now for the next six to 10 months. But even going back to Startup Week, I got invited to speak in an event in September, 2016. And it was about what the Northeast needed to do to attract and retain talent and grow the economy. So I talked about a bunch of things. And then my very last slide was, and I think we need a five day, festival called Newcastle Startup Week, and we should do it in May, right? And that was me testing the water to see what the reaction was like. So at that point, I'd spent no money, hadn't really spent much time working on it other than in my, in my head. I'd been thinking about it for a long time. 
and it got such a positive reaction from people in the room, people coming up saying, oh, that sounds amazing. How do we get involved? And the next day, again, B Daily, they wrote a piece on Newcastle Startup because like the exciting thing that came out of that event. Mm-hmm. So it was, it was kind of like, well, it's out there now, so I've got to do it. Yeah, and um, I, th- I think if ideas are exciting enough, people will form around them and your energy and your enthusiasm will attract people to you. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I think, I think it is important to, to set those big goals and kind of, uh, yeah, positive, positive thinking. Thoughts become things. Definitely yeah. agree with that. No, I love it. So one of the questions, or technically two of the questions that I ask everyone, and I know you know what they are because I email them through to you. Um, <clears throat> if, would you be happy to share what is the best piece of advice you've ever had? Um, so I've had loads of advice over the years. I, th- I think the one that's really making sense to me now, most of all, is the idea of going, going narrower, right? So, so narrow your focus. I think when you, when you first starting off, it makes sense to just try lots of different things and see, see what works. And some of that is just to bring some money in, you know, cash flow is so important, you know, mm-hmm. to try and get as, as many clients, as much money coming in as possible, but on things that you're genuinely interested in and, and, and make sense to you. But, um, cause you're learning, you know, you're, you're learning all the time about what you enjoy doing and, and who you want to work with. But then once you're beyond that starter phase and you're, and you're more established, I think you, you really do need to narrow down. And that's something that, that I have actually struggled a bit with them because some people only know me for starter week, which is great because mm-hmm. that makes sense and that's easy to understand. The, the thing that they found harder to understand is the consultancy. Like what else do you do? You know, we see you kind of face everywhere and we kind of hear about you or we, we've heard of Lord Lancaster or whatever, or we, we think we want to work with you, but we don't know how or whatever. And I haven't really been clear enough on what it is that I offer beyond startup week. Mm-hmm. So um, recently I have been trying to clarify that and make it much more succinct. So if you look at my social media profiles now, it's probably still a, a, a bit broad, but I do say award-winning, super connected entrepreneurs, intrapreneurs, and investors, right? Because they're the three, they are the three people mm-hmm. that I'm working with already and tribes will work with those three people. So entrepreneurs, obvious people, want to start their own business. Entrepreneurs, people who are in a job at the minute, but they want to learn how to be more entrepreneurial and innovative, or maybe leave their job to start a business. Mm-hmm. And the investors, that is a key audience that I do speak to, but I'm not as overt about that. But mm-hmm. I do want to make that more obvious that investors who are looking for deal flow, they can come to me and I can okay. I can sign for the, the best businesses to them. So that, I think narrow, narrowing in... Um, Again, it's an Americanism, at, at which I heard just the other day. Was it niches? You know, like niche. Yeah. So the Americans say niches. So niches bring riches. <laughs> an Americanism there you go. So um, <clears throat> yeah, I think narrowing your focus is a is a is a key thing. I think it's great. Um, I think, but that also you know plays into your strength, because again, that's arguably your superpower that other people don't have is the ability to connect. So I think that makes kind of perfect sense. And then the other question, which I also ask, is that if you were to give advice to your younger self, what would it be? Um, it's, it probably links to that Seth Gordon thing that you mentioned before. Is to um, I'll say a couple of things. So what 
so that is all about picking yourself and not not waiting for other people to to give you permission to do things right um because a lot of the authority of the past is gone now right like we've all got iPhones we've all got live streaming capability um we can we've all the only thing that's different is your ideas and your willingness and um to give it a go and your perseverance and your creativity um so I think p- picking yourself, but, but the phrase shy Ben's getting out <laughs> is so true. I love that phrase. I've always loved it. But again, it really makes so much sense because um, it's true. Other people who you don't want to be that annoying, obnoxious person that's just always in, in people's faces. But at the same time, I've definitely in the past been guilty of like holding myself back a little bit and assuming that other people would spot my talent or... Or, or just realized that I really wanted to do something and they didn't. And it was only when I actually put myself forward yeah, or said, yeah. actually, I want to do this or um, did it my, myself that then they were like, oh, bloody hell. Wow. You didn't realize you were, you could do that. So yeah, shy Ben's getting out and pick yourself. And just to explain to anyone who's not from the Northeast of England, that means if you don't ask, you don't get kind of thing. It's, I won't go into shy, more. Than- yeah, so Ben's is like babies. So yeah, shy, shy babies get nothing. It's one of those things that I'm trying to get more conscious to speak a little bit slower. But then also, although my target market, my Seth Godin, you know, uh, niche is uh, small business owners in the northeast of England, I'm still conscious that this still goes out around the world. So somebody in South Africa might watch this. And it's just to explain things a little bit clearer, just in case, you know, they could be your yeah. next customer. So um, I've really enjoyed kind of catching up today. It's been a while since I've really, I would say spoke to anyone, but I do this once a week now. But actually, you know, I haven't seen you since, because uh, you unfortunately couldn't come to the social media video day that we'd had at Tusk Park. Yeah, I know that was in the diary. I, mean, I think, was that the week of the it lockdown? Was, it was the or? day it happened. And, I, you know, because I remember thinking, do we do it? Do we not do it? And actually, I really enjoyed it. And, you know, we will be doing more. Uh, but it was just, you know, that was the last time I was meant to kind of see you in person. But I do follow on your kind of socials and stuff. Um, is there anything you would like to plug or talk about before we go? Yeah, I suppose if, if people do want to know more about Starter Week or Founders Friday, the, the key thing that I've that I've done instead of selling tickets for, for the physical events, people can now join the online Startup Week community. So if people, people pay an annual membership. It's £75 for 12 months. What that does, it gets you access to the private Facebook group. So every day of the week, there's there's useful content, there's special deals, discounts, and offers going to be shared in the Facebook group. There's the Founders Friday events on the last Friday of every month, um, exclusive video interviews and resources, and then also um, when the physical startup week event happens in May, everybody who's already got a membership gets free entry to day one of startup week. And, and day one is normally 50 quid on its own. Mm-hmm. So um, for 75 quid, you basically get 12 months of ongoing support and, and content and everything that you can access to me, close, closer access to me. So uh, if, if, that, if you think that's worth it. No, and, uh, so, yeah, to find out about that, sorry, is just go to newcastlestarterweek.com slash community. It's been really good to kind of catch up, learn a bit more about your story. I love the kind of lead story and going to raves and that kind of thing. Uh, I really enjoyed almost hearing about how you created playlists because I know you talked about that almost in the running order for Startup Week and how you're trying to build the emotion and stuff. 
Um, and then likewise, also hearing a bit more about tribes that, you know, I, I can't wait to kind of see that kind of roll out and hopefully we'll get the chance to kind of catch up soon. Yeah. All right. Thanks. Really enjoyed it. Always good talking to you. No, and thanks for your time, Paul. All right. Yeah. Cheers. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye. Yeah.